You are listening to the New Vision Church Podcast, a community to belong, be loved, and believe. You are being held hostage, and you don't even know it. But we can free our minds, we can find peace, the kind of peace only available in Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, New Vision. It's good to have you guys back. And we are in this series called Hostage, and today we're actually going to talk about what to do when fear strikes. Uh, This series talks a lot about mental uh, health and what we can do when stress and anxiety and fears uh, tend to captivate our attention. And so today, in particular, I want to address what are some practical things that we can do whenever fear strikes. Now, let me again remind you, I'm just a pastor. I'm just an ordinary guy who has to deal with these very same kind of things that you do. So I'm not an expert in these areas, but I do believe that there are practical things from God's Word that we can use in our lives that's going to help us tremendously. Now, there are some people that do need to get some medication or they may need to get uh, some, some counseling and therapy. And if that's you, let me encourage you to do that. All right? But... For the, for the vast majority of us, a lot of the fears and things that we deal with on maybe a daily basis or some stress that comes up, um, I think that we can handle a lot of this stuff practically by turning to the Scripture. And so let me just uh, have a little bit of fun with you right now, and let's talk about some of the fears that we have in our lives. I mean, if, uh, if you are afraid of heights, why don't you uh, raise your hand in the chat, right? Let us know that that's you. Uh, I myself am afraid of heights. I'm not a person that that enjoys uh, flying. I don't. I don't ever want to go skydiving. I don't want to do any of those kind of things. Um, some of you are afraid of uh, being enclosed in place, places, spaces, uh, claustrophobic, right? Uh, I used to dig wells for people in Nigeria, and we would have to get down into these wells that were really not much wider than this, and uh, and surprisingly, it didn't really scare me. But some of you are like, I would never do that. How about uh, fear of snakes, right? Anybody afraid of snakes? If that's you, go ahead and let us know. Uh, And you would be surprised, uh, well, actually, you shouldn't be surprised, that there's a lot of people who have these very same fears of heights and and closed-in spaces and snakes. How about spiders? Where are the arachnophobes, right? Where are you guys? there are a lot of people who are afraid of snakes and spiders. To me, the only good snake is a dead snake. The only good spider is a dead spider, right? Uh, many of you may suffer from glossophobia. If you don't know what that is, it's fear of speaking in public places. Uh, this is something that I've had to overcome in my own life, right? Being that I'm a pastor, uh, I have to get up in front of people and speak on a regular basis, and and that causes me stress. <laughs> Believe me, I get stressed out over doing these talks week after week. It's not that I don't want to do it, but there's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress sometimes in feeling like, well, you know, I've got to come up with something better to say than the next guy, or I have to, you know, do something that's going to be entertaining or whatever. And so there are all these kind of fears and stresses that come along with this. Now, there are some crazy, crazy fears out there, and let me just let you know that uh, I'm not judging you if you have a particular kind of fear, but there are just some ridiculous things that people are afraid of, like this one, which I don't even know how to say it, but it's the fear of getting peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth. (laughs) Who has 
has that fear? And really, it goes a little bit deeper than that, right? It's it's like being afraid of uh, choking, which, hey, I get it 100%. But really, you, you probably aren't going to die from peanut butter being stuck to the roof of your mouth. Um, and then there's triskaidekaphobia. Do you know what that is, triskaidekaphobia? It's the fear of the number 13. This is why elevators don't have the number 13, right, in their buildings, triskaidekaphobia. Then, the, then there's this phobia, which, let me see if I can even say it, hippopotamostradas equipodolophobia. That is the fear of long words. <laughs> I was afraid to say that to you, quite honestly. Um, now, surprisingly, that is not the longest word. There's actually one word. I think it has like 70-some characters, 70-some letters in it, which is the longest word. But if you're afraid of saying long words, or there are people who are afraid of maybe even just seeing a long word, that would be the phobia that you have. I, I say all that to say that... There are a lot of things that people are afraid of. And as funny as it may be to laugh about some of those fears or anxieties or whatever it may be, truly, fear and anxiety is not something that's a laughing matter. We're all shaped by our fears and anxieties. And if we're honest, right, these things can limit us and for some of us have limited us. And it keeps us from the very life that God wants us to enjoy. Many of you have probably heard it said that there are, you know, for every fear that you've got, or every day that you experience fear, right, 365, that there's 365 verses in the Bible where God says, do not be afraid. And I don't know that that's completely accurate, but I do believe the concept is there, is that every day God wants you to live without fear, that God wants you to live fearlessly, that God wants you to live by faith, that God wants you to experience his peace and his presence. And so there are a number of verses in the Bible that talk about not being afraid, to talk about not having fear, because fear does paralyze us. It can prevent us from God's wonderful things that he wants to give us and wants us to experience in this life. And yet, what are we going to do? Because fear, for many of us, is a huge part of our lives. Fear does dominate many people's thoughts. And, and if nothing else, right, we find these ways to cope somehow, even if it's a, a small anxiety or a small fear, right, we still have to move through that. It's like when I see a spider, right, I'm like, I, I'm going to be cautious. I'm going to be careful. And, and so I have to learn how to deal with these different fears or anxieties in my life. Now, last week, I gave you a few things to consider doing Whenever you feel these anxieties, these fears coming on in your life, whenever you feel worried, maybe you can do things like praying or reading or journaling, meditating. These kind of things can be very helpful to us, but you have to do it. You've, you've got to take some action. You can't just sit there in your fear or in your anxiety. But I do know this, that regardless of what's going on in your life right now, regardless of what fear you have, God wants you to experience his peace. You say, well, I want to experience that peace too. Look at what John 14, 27 says. Jesus is talking and he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus gives these words to his disciples and he's saying, this is a gift I want you to have. I want you to have peace of heart, peace of mind. You say, well, I want that too. 
How do I get there? Well, we're going to look at a story today in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, pretty much the whole uh, chapter is dedicated to this story. And I think it's an incredible story of how we can handle fear in our lives. So turn with me there. If you can't turn there, uh, it'll be on the screen here for you. So let's look at it. 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 and 2. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Minyanites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was a good king, okay? He was a good guy. He was uh, seeking after the Lord. And all of a sudden, these armies come against him. A vast army from Eden is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazan, Tamar, and that was another name for En Gedi. I like En Gedi. It's a lot easier to say. So I want you to think about this, right? There's all these armies that have gathered against a good king, Jehoshaphat. Have you ever felt like this? That it seems like you can't enjoy where you are in life because, well, you know, it's not really going to last that long, right? Jehoshaphat, he's been a king now for a while, and then all of a sudden, everything just goes awry everything just goes starts going crazy and you're like you know i can't really enjoy this because it's going to end I, I can't really you know get past my fear because well you know it's just going to come up again what's the use how about this does it seem like that things can't get any worse and then they do right it's it's not bad enough that jehoshaphat has, has one army or two armies coming against him no he's got three anybody feel like that that it's like, wow, everything just kind of compounds one after another after another. It just seems like, really, can things get any worse? You know, don't say that because they can. How about this? Does it seem like that you always get the wrong end of the deal? Jehoshaphat, he's like, I'm a good king. You ever felt like that? Man, I'm a good guy. Why does it seem like everything's always going against me? I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm just trying to do the good thing. And it seems like I'm always getting the wrong end of the deal. Or this, you've heard this before, right? The good guys finished where? Last. That we feel like even if we're trying to do the good and right thing, the whole world is against us. You even as a follower of Jesus right now, you may be feeling like that in society. That, that it's like if you, if you speak the truth, if you say the truth, if you do the right thing, what difference is it going to make? Because you've got three armies against you. It's three against one. What do we do? How do we handle this in our world and society today? So look at what the Bible tells us. In verse number three, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. He was terrified. He had some fear, even though he was a, a good king, a powerful king, and even had God on his side, he was terrified by this news. And look at what it says. He begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So Jehoshaphat, he says, we've got to pray. We, we need to go to the Lord here. He was terrified, but instead of being paralyzed by his fear, you know what he chose to do? He chose to do what he could do, and that was pray. I said this last week. Maybe the place we need to start is prayer. Maybe the place where we need to go is not to our phone, not to an addiction, but to God in prayer. Jehoshaphat turns to God in prayer. 
And I want to say this, that if it's important enough to worry about, it's certainly important enough to pray about. How many of us spend so much more time worrying and contemplating and playing through all the scenarios in our head instead of bringing it to God and leaving it there? We can trust God, but that's really what it boils down to, isn't it? Do we trust God? Do we, do we look more at our circumstances and allow that to shape our worldview and to overtake our minds? Or do we bring all of this stuff to God and we trust him with it? So don't negate the power of prayer. And it also tells us that they were fasting. You recall when Jesus came down off the mountain of transfiguration Right, His disciples were trying to cast out this demon, and they weren't able to do it. And so the man's father comes to Jesus and says, Hey, you know, your disciples weren't able to do this. And Jesus said something. He said, Yeah, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. That, that maybe if you're having a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, and you've been praying, well, then maybe try fasting too. And try, try to get your mind right, focus completely on the Lord. And sometimes it may be going without. And I'm not talking about just fasting from food, right? You, you may need to fast from social media. You may need to fast from the TV. You may need to fast from some music. You may need to fast from some of these things that you normally do in everyday routines. You may need to say, you know what? I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to pray and I'm going to go without that stuff so that I can focus on the Lord. Let your fears drive you to prayer and fasting. Now, why am I telling you to pray? Because sometimes prayer is not our natural response, right? I mean, if prayer were the natural response, we would all be doing it. And yet, when, when fear comes up, most of the time, we're not running to God in prayer. We're not, we're not stopping and praying. We're running to here and there and everywhere trying to find help. And so prayer isn't natural. I do want to say this. It's, it's not natural, but it is supernatural. And, and that maybe what we need to do is realize that we are engaged in something that's maybe not physical, right? There is a spiritual realm. There is something more to this life than what we can see. And it's important for us to realize that and to understand that all of these things that may be coming at us, that, that it's this one army, this army, this army is coming at me, right? That, that maybe what I need to do is realize that there is something that's bigger than those armies. There's something controlling, right, all of these different things, these circumstances around me. And let me bring it to God who is actually over and above all of those things. So prayer may not be natural, but we need to realize it's supernatural. And we can tap into a power, right, that is greater than us. Some of us may be dealing with some things on the wrong plane, right? We need to get on the prayer plane. Y'all remember that, that series that we did, uh, I don't know, a, a year or two ago? Right? That, that actually we can get onto a different plane whenever we come before God in prayer. And then if we, if we take it to that level, some of our fears may dissipate. We need to realize that we are fighting a battle with different weapons. We don't fight according to this world's standards. We fight with different weapons. And it's not even us who's fighting, right? It's the, we have to realize the Lord is fighting the battle for us. Look at this. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I used this verse last week. Let's look at it again. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, <clears throat> not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Look at that. To destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. I want you to think about that for a moment, right? That, that these things are all keeping us from trusting and knowing God. That, that when we come to God in prayer, it opens us up to knowing who God is and to knowing his power in a brand new and different way. It says we capture the rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. When fear strikes, you know it's time to pray. When, when these anxieties rise up, you know it's time to pray. Whenever things aren't going your way, you know it's time to pray. And these prayers are meant to draw us closer to God. It's meant to draw us into intimacy with God. Let fear not paralyze you. Let it drive you to prayer. Let's continue looking at the story of Jehoshaphat. 2 Chronicles 20, 11 through 12. He says this, Now see how they reward us. He's talking about these armies, right, who are coming in. He says, Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. Anybody feel powerless these days? Anybody feel chained to your past, chained to your anxieties and to your fears, and you feel like, man, there's just nothing I can do. I am just stuck here. I, I have no hope. So he goes on. He voices what many of us probably need to voice. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. You know what happens many, of, many times? We, we fall into that trap of going by the world's behavior, right? Remember that verse in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2? Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. We, we end up looking to this world and saying, hey, where, how, how can I get this help? And we follow the worldly advice. We try to follow the world's ways, right? And Jehoshaphat is teaching us a lesson. He's saying, when you don't know what to do, don't look to the world. Don't look just to medication or to, you know, another counselor. Look to the wonderful counselor. Look to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Look to him. We are looking to you for help. Who do you look to for help? Where do you run to? Do you run to the bottle? Do you run to a website? You run to another person. What we need to understand is that worry and fear and anxiety, these are emotional responses to a situation that we often can't control. And so what do we do? We try to find a way to control something. We want to control a circumstance. We want to create an environment. This is why people get, get lost in their phones. They can get lost in the metaverse. They can get lost in that because you can create any kind of, of situation you want. And so we look to escape these because we don't like reality. We don't, we don't like what the world is giving us. We don't like this, and so we're going to run to something else to find a way to control 
our situation. But when these emotions rise up, when, when worry and fear and anxiety begin to dominate our lives, look, you can respond in a way that's effective. You can respond in a different way. You don't have to run to your addictions. You don't have to run to other things to try to control it. What you can do is look to God. That's the best thing you can do. And so when you don't know what else to do, look to God. Don't look to something else. You see, we tend to meditate on the wrong things. We're thinking about all of this stuff and, and the likelihood of, of this or that. That's what worry is, right? Worry is uh, creating you know, situations that may or may not happen instead of focusing on, on what really is happening, right? These emotions lead us to jump to conclusions and we start thinking about all these situations that probably are never going to happen. And so we meditate on that instead of meditating on the truth. And so prayer drives us to meditate on the truth, pushes us to meditate on God's promises. Again, there are numerous promises in the Bible where Jesus and God say, I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. You don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. We need to meditate on those promises. And here's Jehoshaphat who's saying, you know, we don't know what to do. We're helpless. We are powerless. And so we're looking to you. Are you with us? He goes on and says, he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Look at what he's doing. He is recounting who God is. He's meditating on these realities. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when the people of Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? He's saying, hey, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate on these realities, these facts, these promises. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. What Jehoshaphat is doing is he's coming back to God saying, God, let me, let me remind you of your promises. God, let me remind you. Let me remind you of what you said. This is what God has said. So many times our anxieties, our fears, our worries come from things that other people have said. Or maybe things they haven't said that we wanted them to say. And yet we need to come back and meditate on the truth of the things that God has said to us. And so when fear strikes, pray. But when fear strikes, also pause. Stop a minute. Don't, don't just jump to conclusions. Don't just run to an addiction. Don't just run to some other person. Don't just run to the bottle or to, the, to you know, either the, the alcohol bottle or the pill bottle. Don't run to either, either of those. Right? We need to stop for a moment because we don't need to let our emotions control us. So many people make an emotional response or make a... a, a an emotional decision, right? And that decision changes everything drastically. Don't make life-changing decisions when you're emotional. Emotions will change. And so it's important for us to remember 
that when we are emotional, when we're feeling fear and anxiety, to not make emotional decisions. 2 Chronicles 20, 13 through 14, look at what he says. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benai, and, uh, son of Jeel, Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Oh, you see why I have anxiety sometimes. You see, sometimes the best thing that we can do is pause for a minute. Slow your roll. What does that verse tell us? It says they stood before the Lord. They stopped. They stood still. And some of you, you know, you, you, you're fidgety, right? We have those fidget spinners. We got these fidget gadgets. You know, you got these little bubble pop things. You know, everybody's got to have, uh, you're constantly moving. I mean, I'm a person that, that even if I'm sitting down, right, I, usually I'm bouncing my leg, right? Just a kind of uh, funny, funny story, you know. It's like I can be in the car, we'll stop at a stoplight or stop sign or something. And I remember uh, one time my mom was, she was looking around, she said, what is, what's wrong with the car? And I was like, I don't think anything's wrong with the car. She's like, you don't feel that? And I was like, oh, it was my leg. I was shaking my leg and it was bouncing the whole car. You see, some of us have a hard time being still. We have a hard time stopping and just being still. For some of you, right, you, you, you would, you're like, I don't know, I couldn't do it. I, I won't be able to be still. But look at what it says. It says, they stopped in this moment. Listen, fear will paralyze you or you can choose to be still. Be still. Sometimes the best thing we can do is to just stop. We all know this verse, Psalm 46.10. Many of you have it like ingrained in your brain. You might even have posters or placards that say it, right? Be still. And know that I am God. Why, is, why does God have to say that? Again, it's a command. You know why it's a command? The same reason that don't be anxious is a command. It's because we have a problem being still. We have a problem not being anxious. And so God gives us these commands because, well, we're human. And it's sometimes problematic for us to stop and to look to him. But... It's the best thing we can do in situations that are beyond our control. It's to just stop for a moment, pray, and then pause. Being still isn't always easy, but it does allow us to see things clearly and ultimately to realize that our reliance is not upon myself. It's not upon somebody else. It's upon God. I have to rely upon God. But I wonder if that's the reason we're not still sometimes. It's because we do want to take things into our own hands. We don't want to rely upon God. We don't want to admit that I'm not sufficient, that I'm not enough. Oh my goodness, how many times am I going to hear this in recent months of, you're enough, you're enough, oh, you're enough. Why, why is everybody saying that? It's because everybody feels like you're not enough. And the reality is, you're not enough. I'm not enough. But Jesus is enough. God is enough. God is sufficient. 
And if I'm always trying to be enough, <laughs> it's not going to last. I am not worthy of his love. I am not, I am not worthy of of everything that he has given me. But this is the thing. God doesn't give it to me because I'm worthy. God gives it to me because he's gracious. God does these things in our lives because he is good. God does these things because he is enough. He is, he is sufficient. He will never lack. And no matter how many times we may tell ourselves that I'm enough or I can be all that and a bag of chips, well, how long is that going to last? You see, we've got to go to someone who's greater than ourselves. We have to go to someone who is enough. And that's God himself. 2 Chronicles 20, verses 15 through 17, he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. Okay, so this, this, this man that the Holy Spirit comes upon gives him this word. He says, listen up. Listen up, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty armor. Look at this. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle's not yours, but God's. I think it's even in Zechariah, right? Where it says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And it goes on and says, tomorrow, march out against them. What? It's one against three. It's one army against three armies. He says, tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens to the wilderness of Jerul. But you will not even need to fight. You will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Here it is again. Pause. Hold up a minute. Stop. Stop. Pray. And stop. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. I know for some of us, the challenge is just getting out of bed, isn't it? For some of us, it's hard to just get up and take another step. For some of us, it's hard to go and face people but listen the Lord is with you you don't have to be afraid you don't have to be discouraged he is with you so get up and keep going get up and keep going but remember when those fears hit you pray pause you might even need to stop and take a deep breath. You might need to stop for a moment, count to 10. And look at the third thing that happens here. You see, when fear strikes, not only is it time to pray, not only is it time to pause, but it's also time to praise. When fear strikes, let praise be found on your tongue. You're like, what? Are you kidding me? How can I praise God when I'm feeling fearful, when I'm feeling anxious? Look at what it says here. 2 Chronicles 20, 18 through 19. This is the prescription. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath, Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. A very loud shout. 
a very loud shout. I don't know how you can shout uh, in the chat, but you can try. Some of you might just want to shout at your computer, and that's okay. Nobody else out here will know. But look at what it says. It says, they gave a very loud shout. And this is what we need to understand, is that worship is our worship. I said this a few weeks ago in another series uh, that we were talking about concerning worship, is that sometimes, right, what we need to do when fear and anxiety and uh, worry and all these things are just crowding in on us, you know what we need to do? We need to worship. We need to turn our eyes to the hills, right? Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hill, hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Help is not coming anywhere else. It's coming from the Lord. So let me worship him and let my worship be the way that I fight my battles. We sing that song, right? This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I may be surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Fear and anxiety and worry are all attempts from the enemy to keep us from worship. All of these things are tools and tactics that the enemy can use. I'm not saying that if, you, or if you're dealing with you know, anxiety and worry that that's you know, some demon or something like that. But I'm saying this, that these can be tactics. These can be things that can be used to keep you from worshiping God. These are things that can be used to keep you from experiencing the peace of God. These are things that can be used to keep you from living and experiencing the abundant life that God has for you. And so, don't let the enemy win. Even if you're dealing with fear and anxiety, you can still worship. You can still bring your requests to God. Look at what it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of them, uh, ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Look at what it says. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. That's what they sang. They didn't even have the victory yet, but they were claiming the victory. Maybe that's what you need to do. You may not feel like you've won the battle yet, but thank him anyway. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Are you willing to take God at his word? Are you willing to give thanks to him even though you don't feel like it? Are you willing to give praise to him even though you are filled with worries? Listen, did you know that gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist in the brain? Last week after that message, uh, someone in the, in the auditorium came up and shared with me this, this reality and said, yeah, you know, did you know that? And I was like, no, I didn't really know that. So I did some research. I looked it up. And you know what? It's confirmed. You can research this, that, that anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist in your brain. They are diametrically opposed. Studies have been shown that that is true, that the chemicals produced by worry and anxiety and fear are all set by the dopamine in our brains when, and the serotonin when we actually express and give thanks and gratitude. So, so really, right, this is, again, this is so, such a cool thing. When science proves the Bible, when science proves the Bible, look at what they were just doing. They didn't have the victory yet. They were worried. They were afraid. And what does God do? He gives them promises. He gives them a pause and says, hey, through your prayer, here's your prayers are being answered. So go out and praise God. 
and give thanks to him. And when they started giving thanks, everything began to change. Again, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, proving this concept that worry and fear cannot exist with thanks and gratitude. Don't worry about anything. Instead, look at what it says. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. That when you start thanking him for all that he's done, you won't be anxious. That you begin recounting all the ways that you have experienced God's goodness in your life and you begin to show gratitude, it will actually chase away the anxiety. Then you will experience, look at that, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So, you want more peace in your life? You want God's peace in your life? The answer is not necessarily more medication. It's not necessarily more therapy. It's actually probably more thanksgiving, more gratitude. Fix your focus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look to God and the peace of God that Jesus has promised you, right? I will give them my peace is what he says. And that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let all of your thinking lead you to thanking. Let, let all of your meditating, let all of your, your concerns and all your worries actually be transformed into thankfulness and start thanking God instead of worrying. Start thanking God instead of comparing. Start thanking God for what you have instead of complaining about what you don't have. Let your thinking turn to thanking. So, let me wrap things up here. I'm going to read through these final uh, several verses here, and I'll make a couple more comments and we'll be done. So look at this. At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise, and the Lord calls the armies of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. Right? That that just they started singing, and look at what happens. They started fighting among themselves. It's like when we start praising God, when we start worshiping God, when we start singing praises to God, it's like these worries and fears and anxieties don't know what to do. It's like it drives them crazy. So the armies of Moab and Amnon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived and at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. As far as they could see, not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and all of his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast uh, amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there and is still called the Valley of Blessing today. I know it may be difficult to think about where you are in life right now as a blessing, but did you know that if you will start praying, if you will just pause for a minute and recount your blessings and praise God for all that he's done, he can transform your valley 
into a place of blessing. And goes on and says, Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat, leading them. Overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies, they marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. Look at what they did. They went to the temple of the Lord. I want to encourage you that as the Lord gives you victory over some of your worries and anxieties and fears, that you return to give him praise, that you return to give him thanks. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. Listen, some of you have a testimony that you can share. And I want to encourage you to do that. We, we oftentimes ask for people, right? We, we, we want you to share what God is doing in your life. And especially if through this series, God is somehow ministering to you or, or helping you, would you share that in the chat or would you share that in a comment, right? So that we can be encouraged to know that God is working in your life and just know this, that the thing that you share might be something that could actually help someone else. It may not be anything that I say during a, a sermon. It actually could be a comment that you make or a verse that you share or something that God did in your life that could actually minister to someone else if you would just share it. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. We all want peace, don't we? We want peace of heart and peace of mind. But maybe it begins not with a prescription. Maybe it begins with prayer, pausing for a minute or two, and praising God, recounting the blessings that we have. You see, when fear strikes, we really need to move into his presence. We, we need to move from just focusing on our life and our situation to moving and saying, God, what, where are you in this? And God, what do you want to do with me in this? How, how do I need to worship you in the midst of all this? I want you to remember Job. You know his story, right? That, that in all the things that happened with Job, and I'm telling you, if there was anybody who was dealing with worries and fears and anxieties, it was Job. He didn't have a clue what was going on. We can look at his story and say, oh, we know that this was a test. He didn't have that information. He didn't know why all this was happening. He didn't have all these answers that we have about his life. And yet, look at what Job said. Job said, though, though he slay me, still I will worship. Even though all this is happening in my life, I will still worship God. We have to move into his presence. And so when fear strikes, move into his presence because peace is found in his presence. Peace is found in his presence. He is the Prince of Peace. Jehoshaphat was a good king, following the ways of his father, verses 32 and 33. Following the ways of his father Asa, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, during his reign, however, look at this, this is important. During his reign, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines, and the people never fully committed themselves to follow the God of their ancestors. I think that's an interesting little footnote that's given to us about Jehoshaphat. That even though he had this 
incredible victory. Even though he, he saw God do some awesome things, even just this one story alone about his life, he failed to remove the pagan shrines. And the people never committed themselves to God. Listen, I, I want to say this to you. Don't fail to remove the pagan shrines in your life. What is a pagan shrine? Well, it could be those things that you bow, bow down to whenever anxiety and worry and stress hits you. What are those things that you run to instead of God? You may need to remove some of those things from your life. If you want to have the peace of God in your life, you may need to remove some things from your life. You've seen what the Lord can do. We've just looked at this passage, taking kind of an in-depth look at this, this particular scenario and how Jehoshaphat handled it. You may want that same peace, but I'm going to tell you, you can't have that same peace if you don't do those same things. Pursue the Lord in prayer. Pause. Wait a minute. And then... Praise Him. And I believe that you can experience the peace of God because you will have entered into the presence of God. As I wrap up here, let me encourage you. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to be alone. And if you're dealing with fear and anxiety and worry and it just seems overwhelming, please reach out to someone. Let us know. You can text us at the church. You can text me personally. You can email me. Just reach out. There's no reason for you to suffer in silence. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this story, this incredible story, this real life story of King Jehoshaphat. And I pray, God, that as we've seen how they handled and how he handled this overwhelming situation, that God, sometimes our fears and worries and anxieties are overwhelming us. And no, we don't have physical armies that are coming against us, but we do have spiritual forces. We do have these emotions that rise up within us. We do have our past and our, our addictions and struggles that God sometimes just seem like they have a stranglehold on us. But God, I pray that we would pray that we would take a moment and just stop and be still, that we would look to you and acknowledge that we are powerless, that we are not enough. No one is enough. There's not enough drugs. There's not enough alcohol. There's not enough gaming. There's not enough whatever that's going to help us. But you are sufficient. And so, Father, I pray for everyone today who's dealing with these overwhelming fears and anxieties. That, God, they would just reach out to you. Reach out to us that we might be able to help them connect to you. And then, God, help us to, to give you praise, to recount all the blessings that we have, for you have been good to us. Help us, Lord, to focus on that and to live daily in your presence. And may the presence of God Bring the peace of God in our hearts and minds today and always. In Jesus' name we pray.